Hey guys, apparently we had a mishap on uh, last week's show with uh, the Wasika Wonder. And we were on vacation and we couldn't fix it. But the ending didn't come through, so we kind of left you with a cliffhanger. It was <laughs> not intentional. <laughs> but uh, we were able to come back and we had to fix it and put the ending on there. I don't know where the ending went. Something happened to the recording, but I looked all over the place, couldn't find it. So we had to do a little quick rewrite on the very end. And uh, luckily, we made it almost to the end. So yeah, you didn't miss two But we went ahead and re-recorded the end of it, uh, so that we're re-putting the episode back out tonight for everybody to listen. And some of you didn't get to hear it at all, because uh, once I found out the ending wasn't on there, I yanked it on early on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. And <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't have my laptop with me, so I couldn't fix it, so all I could do was take it down. Yeah. So you'll be able to listen to it start to finish. So if you're seeing this, and you started listening, the ending is there now. There was if you're about, seeing this. Yeah, there was about, well... Whatever, if you're listening. Well, they'll be seeing it in there. They'll be seeing it in in the thing pop up. Yeah. That this new story. But if you see this, and it does have the ending this time, and most of you didn't listen to it because I pulled it down. I think with only like four thousand people had listened. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, we apologize, but it's back this week. So yeah, believe me, he was like, "Oh my gosh, I knew I should have <laughs> talked. Took my laptop and." But that's what he does. He worries. So. But hopefully you guys enjoy it, and we're sorry about that. Yeah, because this really is a good story, yes, so it, it deserves it an ending. Yeah. So without further ado, here uh, is take two of the Wasika Wonder. This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly and their dog Ninja. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 185 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. We got a fun story tonight. Good. This one is one that um, doesn't really fit into categories, so it's not really haunting. The most that I've seen it listed as a possession, but not a demonic possession, a I think they call it just a spiritual possession. So you'll see what I mean by that as we get into it. But first, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you all so very much. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Keep praying for you. Y'all stay safe. Also, we want to make sure that we mention that if anybody is struggling with any type of uh, mental situation, whether it be... Uh, Because we had somebody, I say that because I had somebody actually write me about anxiety. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or anything else that fits in that category, please realize that talking is the first step to getting some, I'm not going to say a cure, but at least getting some type of help. Mm -hmm. Whether it just be talking to somebody in a group or talking to us or... Whether it be going to a doctor. I know we had a young lady write us and said she actually got help for her depression. Thanks to us 
mentioning it on the show. Good. And, you know, as I've always said, for everybody who mentions something that they got from the show, there's several others that just didn't bring it up. So it makes me feel good that we're getting some kind of accomplishment out Mm. of this. Well, good for you, sweetheart. It's the first step. If for some reason you would rather speak to someone more anonymous, and you can call the 1-800 number here in America. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you're more of a texter, they do have a text line, 741-741. Amen. All right. Let's jump into this story. Tonight's story actually takes place in a small town in Illinois in 1877 and 1878. Started kind of near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Went through. It's important to know that this was during a time when the spiritualist movement was at its peak. Are you familiar with the spiritualist movement? I mean, I've heard about it, but I'm, I really don't know too much about it, though. All right. The spiritualist movement was basically a religious movement that was based on people having the ability to speak to the dead. So, like, mediums today are kind of really common. Everybody knows what a medium is. Everybody... Mm-hmm. You know, can uh, equate what the situation is that emit, that a medium will do. They've got their own TV shows and all that stuff, books and all that. So it's accepted that there are mediums out there today. Mm-hmm. Well, at this time, during the spiritualist movement, it was still relatively new accepted practice. So 100 years before this, you would have been called a, a witch or a warlock or... Who knows? And and who knows what would have happened to you? You probably could have been put on trial and oh, yeah, hanged or burned to the stake oh, yeah. or, or something of that nature. So this event takes place around a time that the infamous Fox sisters were world known for doing seances and their ability to talk to the dead. Uh, of course, they eventually were proven to be fakes by their own admission. And the uh, magician... Harry Houdini, most people at least know the name if you don't know him, he made it his life's mission to expose as many frauds and spiritualism as he could before he actually died himself. So anyway, I got sidetracked, but the, the main belief in spiritualism is that life goes on after we die and our spirits are still around. Okay? Yeah. So we're good on that part. Makes sense. Obviously, I wanted to set the stage for uh the events of this story, so I needed to make sure that if you didn't know, because if you didn't know what spiritualism was, some of this story would probably lose you a little bit. So I'll start over. This story is in a little small town called Watsika, Illinois. It involves a 13-year-old daughter of Thomas and Lorenda Venom. Her name was Mary Laurency Venom. And she went by Laurency, and that's how we're going to refer to her for the rest of this, because uh, the other person we're going to talk about is also named Mary. And oh, we'll okay. Keep the two of them together. So July 6th, 1877, Laurency wakes up, and it's it's in the morning, and she starts to panic, and she's really sick to her stomach. And she tells her parents that the night before... That some some strange people came into her bedroom and started yelling, Rancy, Rancy. Her parents assumed that this was some type of a nightmare, as we probably would have assumed too. Well, that would scare the bejesus out of me. <laughs> the bejesus. Is that like the God or is that like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Baala? <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> so about a week later, though, uh, Laurency was helping her mother stitch a carpet. 
because it, it, the seam had came undone, uh-huh. so she was helping her stitch the carpet up. She stood up and said that she didn't feel well, and then she passed out. She didn't wake up for five hours. Oh. Unfortunately, this would only be a sign of things that were to come. Things would only get worse for Lurency. The fainting spells would continue, but now they would be accompanied by severe abdominal pains. But there were other new developments as well. So during these fainting spells, Lurency would talk while she was unconscious. Mm, That always got me in trouble. (laughs) I'm sure it did. (laughs) Some say that it started as mumbling and then uh, made its way to a very clear words. Sometimes in her own voice, sometimes it was in other voices. She would speak about talking to angels and demons. She would also talk to spirits of the dead, and that included her brother and sister who had passed on before her. Well, that's nice. Some of the dreams were very pleasant. Others were not so pleasant. She at times spoke about being chased through the house by dark entities. Some of these spells would last up to eight hours of her just unconscious and and talking and mumbling. Mm -hmm. Did she start talking about foreign countries and foreign people? And she had no recollection of this after the fact. But, I mean, she would talk about these people in great detail. And these are countries that she knew nothing about. She'd never been to. Same thing with the uh, people who lived in those countries. But they were astonishingly accurate. And she never remembered anything. No. At all. Mm Mm-mm. So, yeah, when she woke up, she didn't remember anything that she talked about during these sessions. All she knew is that she had spoke with dead people. So next, she starts to speak in foreign languages that she had never studied and in some cases didn't even know existed. That's amazing. Soon, her personality began to change. Obviously, this is a small town, so word starts to get out about this. Yeah. And when this started to happen, people started coming from miles around to have her start, you know, telling them about, you know, what's going to happen in their future. And, and can they can she help them speak to their loved ones who have passed mm-hmm. on? I was going to say, surely you don't mean they all came to her bedroom while she was sleeping. No, but they were just <laughs> coming to the house. And this frustrated the family because the family just wanted her to be better. Yeah. They, they, you um, know, yeah. it's nice that these people think that they can put her in touch with her loved ones, but that's not what her family was looking for. So the Venoms had no choice but to seek medical attention at this point because it was just getting worse and worse. Several doctors came by and they did some examining of of Laurency, but they couldn't find anything physically wrong with her whatsoever. One of the doctors eventually said that she was mentally ill and he recommended that she be sent to the insane asylum. Okay, how could you recommend that when it's obvious that, I mean, I see that she's having a problem, but it's almost like she's smart at the same time. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I understand completely. But, you know, once again, this is the 1800s. Well, true. So they they recommend sending her to the insane asylum. The two closest ones were Chicago and Peoria. Both of them were similar distances. They didn't really want to do this because back in these days, insane asylums went exactly, and I say insane, insane asylums, somebody don't criticize me. That's what they called it back then. Yeah. We know it's a mental health institution. Right. Or a mental health facility, I should say. 
But anyway, the insane asylums back then, when they weren't exactly there to help people get better, they were more or less just a dumping ground for people to live. And um, you would throw them in there, and they most of the time would live out their days there. That's or, so sad. Or, you know, the, if you didn't drop them off just to unburden you, it was to keep them away from society. Right. But they didn't even try to help them, though. They just no, probably really. just let them. Or stay. they would experiment on them. Oh, man. So they didn't see any other option, though. And um, this is right around December, right around Christmas time of 1877. They prepared to go ahead and ship their daughter off to the state insane asylum of Peoria, as it was called at the time. That was the plan anyway, until they get a knock on the door in January of 1878. The gentleman doing the knocking was the man who actually founded the town that they live in. Oh. His name was Azza Roth. Azza Roth. He was here to plead with the, the Venoms not to send Laurency to the insane asylum. So you have to kind of follow me on this one, but uh, because this part of the story... Some say it was just a great gesture on his part because his daughter had died in the asylum. Roth and his wife were now spiritualists. And some think that the whole reason for him coming there was because he thought that if Laurency was speaking to spirits, he felt that maybe she could contact their daughter. Oh, uh, so, an ulterior motive. So, yeah, was it an ulterior motive? So Mr. Roth goes on to explain that his daughter, Mary Roth, had similar experiences as Laurency is having right now. See, Mary was born in 1846. Mary's health issues, though, started when she was just six months old. He had to get his two cents in. You know, it's hard for me to think I'm doing a good job of telling this story when I'm constantly putting that dog to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, her problem started when she was six months old. So Mary started having seizures, um, and and these seizures would lead to the same type of episodes that Laurency was having. So as she got older, she started seeing these visions and hearing voices, voices that would tell her to do strange things. She eventually would start uh, to fall into these really long trances, and she'd wake up after these trances speaking in strange voices. So the Roths initially thought that Mary was possessed, but then she seemed to develop some clairvoyancy, and these abilities became a little more evident that it really wasn't possessed. She was seeing the future, and she was talking to dead people. So just like Laurency, she started talking about people and places in foreign countries that she had uh, never been with, with incredible accuracy. So here's where the big differences between Laurency and Mary kind of start, though. Mary started to become violent. And the Roths called in the doctors. The doctors tried several different things, including bloodletting. So they thought cutting her and getting rid of some of her blood would fix the problem. That's weird. Well, that's a lot of suggestions back then. Do you know that's why barbers have the red and white striped pole? No. Yeah, that's what, because barbers used to be the ones, because they had the razors. Yeah. They used to be the one you could take your... Uh, your problems there and they would cut you and bleed you thinking that would fix a lot of your problems. And that's why the they had that candy stripe, red and white stripe at Poe outside of Barber's to let you know that they were the ones that also did bloodletting. Well, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, there you go. That's what I do. <laughs> so anyway, Mary became obsessed with this whole bloodletting thing. And one day her parents came in and they found Mary in a pool of her own blood. She had sliced her arm with a straight razor. Oh, 
She was 18 years old at this time. Now, I did see some sources say she was 19, but most of them say she was 18 during this time. So because of this incident, her family felt like they didn't really have much choice but to admit her to the state insane asylum up in Peoria. The treatments, or quote-unquote therapy, as it was called, was horrible and on the verge of torture. One of these treatments was called water cure. This involved dunking the patient underwater that was either ice cold or scalding <gasps> hot. They did not. Unfortunately, Mary died a short time after entering the institution on July 5th, 1865. From those things that they were doing to her? I don't know. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Oh. So that's when the Roths became spiritualists. They kind of felt that this was the only way that they might be able to communicate with their daughter. Yeah. So obviously, when the word about Laurency got to the Roths, they felt the need to approach the Venoms, who they barely knew. I mean, they were knew them as a family, as, you know, hi-bye, mm-hmm. see you in the neighborhood, but they did not know them. They didn't really have any dealings in the past. So it was kind of odd to just see this guy that you barely knew show up on your doorstep and just start telling you all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So after hearing Mary's story and the tragedy of her death at the state asylum, the Venoms agreed to keep Laurency home and to try some other methods. Mr. Roth then suggested a different doctor, a Dr. E. Winchester Stevens. And Dr. Winchester Stevens examined Laurency, and he was convinced that she was a medium possessed by spirits of the dead. Mr. Roth and Dr. Stevens then convinced the Venoms to let Dr. Stevens mesmerize Laurency. What does that mean? Put her in a trance, or? Well, or? Actually, mesmerizing was the term used back then for what we would call hypnosis today. Well, that's what I meant, yeah, really. But, but they called it mesmerizing. Oh, I kind of like that better. <laughs> so during this session, she spoke as two completely different people. Now, the first was an older woman by the name of Katrina Hogan from the area. The second was a man by the name of Willie Canning. Now, Willie was a recent suicide victim there in Watsika. She spoke in Willie's voice for an hour. Dang, Willie had a lot to say. Then she threw her arms up in the air and collapsed to the floor. Yeah, I've been sure that's exhausting. Things drastically changed after this. She relaxed for a couple minutes, got settled. And then when she started speaking again, her voice was completely different. Differently, and apparently her location had changed as well. Because Laurency said that she was in heaven. She said that she was now going to allow a gentler spirit to control her. And that spirit was Mary Goff. Aww. Mary made a few visits after this hypnosis session. And it seemed like a win-win for both the parents and, and in the beginning. Because the Venoms had their daughter at home instead of sending her off to the asylum. And the Goffs got to talk to their daughter again so mm. everything would appear to be good on both ends but this is where there's a strange plot twist to this story in one of these visits mary which actually through Laurency, tells the venoms and the goths and dr winchester stevens 
that Laurency was broken. She was ill and she needed to spend some time with the angels in heaven. She would be cured during her time in heaven, but in order for this to happen, Mary's spirit would have to remain in Laurency's body until then. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. there would be no spirit in the body and you know what happens in that case. Yeah. So not only was this going to be, was she going to be in Laurency's body, but she was going to stay with the Roths during this time. Her real parents. Obviously, the Roths were ecstatic about this turn of events. The Venoms, not so much, but they agreed. There was going to be a 90-day process, according to Mary. So now, let's keep in mind that these two families did not know each other before this. Laurency was born about the time that Mary died. No kidding. It was 13 years after Mary's death when all this took place. So Laurency should have basically no knowledge of all of Mary or anything of the, of the Roth family. Somehow, though, Laurency seemed to know everything about the Goffs. For example, Mrs. Roth and Mary's daughter, Minerva, was coming towards the, the Venom's house as all this was taking place. Laurency looked up and saw them and said, here comes Ma and Nervy, which is yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what she called her little sister. Well, I would rather be called that too. But I'm just saying. But I know what you're how, saying. She wouldn't have known that. Yeah. But she knew that that was her they, mother mm-hmm. and she knew that was Nervy. Obviously, the Venoms didn't want to give up their daughter for three months. But, you know, at this point, it was better than sending her to the institution. Oh, definitely. So they start walking to the Roth's house. And when they arrive, Laurency asks, why didn't we stop at the other house? And this is because she lived in a different house along that walkway. So they did pass the house that the Roths used to live in, but they moved after Mary died to the house that they're currently in. Oh. So she knew about she, that She house. didn't know the new house. Right. So she knew about the old house. Yeah. Once again, something else that Laurency wouldn't have known, but Mary would have. Right. So then they get in the new house. And... Laurency immediately goes to Mary's old piano, which Laurency didn't know how to play the piano. Mm-hmm. She goes straight to this piano and starts playing some of Mary's favorite songs. Oh, my goodness. So, I thought that was pretty cool. That's very cool. All right. So, Laurency stayed with the Ross from February 10th to May 21st, 1878. And during this time, several people came to the Roths and marveled at Laurency's ability to talk to the dead and recognized friends and relatives that she had never met before. Mary had met them. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. At one point, one point she even mentioned the name of an unknown child from the Reverend Rhea's family. So Reverend Rhea, Rhea verified uh, that the little child that she was talking about did exist, even though none, she, of, none of the Ross family even knew about this child. That's amazing. On another occasion, Mary left Laurency's body and went into a man who was visiting there, laughed through him, and then went back into Laurency's body, just to prove a point. (laughs) (laughs) 
The Venoms would occasionally visit the house, but Lawrence pretty much treated them as if they were strangers because at this point in time, as Mary, she didn't really know the Venoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was it was hurtful to the Venoms, obviously, because they didn't get the love from the daughter that they're standing there looking at. But at the same time, they could see that she was continuing to improve, so they just let it be. Let it, yeah, let it go, right. So as May was starting to come to an end, Mary started telling the Roths that she would be leaving soon. So she started having these little individual meetings with everyone in the in the Ross uh, family, and she started having these big, long, emotional embraces and kind of crying, knowing that it was time. Well, that would be so tough. On May 21st, 1878, the spirit of Mary left, and Laurency returned, not only in spirit, but to the Venoms. She was perfectly healthy, and had no memory of her time with the Roths. Oh, that's so crazy. She soon met a gentleman by the name of George Benning. She got married, and she moved away to another town. Not too far away, but... And Laurency would, though, occasionally come and visit the Roths and allow Mary to come back through her by way of a seance. So, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's a very touching story, and she's a very selfish, no, not selfish, but selfless person to come back and do that for her family. Yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome. And, yeah, and I I just think it's it's just amazing, you know, that they can do that. And it is, what a blessing that she wasn't sick anymore. No, she was pretty much perfect. I mean, oh, my gosh. It just makes your heart full. It's sort of, sort of like one of those um, Hallmark movies. Well, no, not that <laughs> so much. I mean, the intentions. I mean, it starts out really sad, but the intentions and how it ends up just makes everything fine. And I, I just think that's a really great story. I don't know if it would be better to be able to get your daughter back in a way for three months and then lose her again? Well, that's what I was going to talk about, too, because I think that would really be hard. But then she is coming back. See, I don't know if that's a, that's a blessing or that's I think, not. I think the blessing part of it is even though, even if she never came back again, at mm-hmm. least they know she's out there. Yes, And yes. I think that's the blessing part of it. Right, because that would be hard to have her and then she's gone and then you could bring her back again and i don't know i think that would that would hurt too much so but it's a nice gesture anyway i agree well guys uh since we had to do a little re-recording on this one uh and kind of really wasn't prepared and had to last second it to put it back out so you guys actually had an ending (laughs) we uh we're not going to do any kind of uh patreons or reviews or anything this week but we'll be back next week next two weeks are going to be awesome shows you're going to like both of them and uh, we'll catch up on all that stuff then bye